0: Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update Podcast, actionable information for industry leaders.
1: Hi, I'm Kathy Ma.
0: I'm Sean Fitzgerald, and I'm Tony Apoff.
1: Welcome to today's Thomas Industry Update Podcast. I'm Kathy Ma, your host. I'm the head of audience development for Thomas. Today we have David Sobe, he is the CEO and co-founder of Happy Returns, a reverse logistics company founded in 2016 that promises to retain revenue, reduce costs, give shoppers options, and make retailers' supply chains more sustainable. David, we are very excited to have you here today.
0: Thanks for having me, Kathleen.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about how Happy Returns work?
0: So when we think about a beautiful return, we think about it from a shopper perspective, it's a return that's friction-free. From a merchant perspective, it's a return that that costs the the least. And from the planet's perspective, a beautiful return is one that eliminates cardboard and reduces greenhouse gas. So that's kind of us in terms of our mission. In terms of how it works, we operate a network of physical places around the country where shoppers from participating retailers can return products purchased online, Via a box free drop off. So they start the return online, get a QR code, bring it to one of our drop off locations to complete the return, um, and receive an immediate refund or exchange at the time of drop off. And so by doing that, there's all kinds of benefits, obviously, for shoppers who don't have to deal with the hassle and wait of returns by mail. Merchants get the benefit of the items, the, the sort of in, in logistics, people talk a lot about the, the last mile costs. Well, in reverse logistics, it's really the first mile costs. And so by having shoppers bring items to a drop-off point, we get the first mile for free. And from there we can aggregate items together to help reduce costs. And then because shoppers are bringing the items in box free, we get to pack them and we pack all the items in reusable totes and ensure that there's no cardboard used in shipping the items from the drop-off point to one of our processing hubs. And so you know, this whole process that I described is, is software plus reverse logistics working together to improve you know, the process of returning online purchases for every stakeholder in the transaction.
1: That is incredible. Is it, is it fair to say that your company is indeed a disruptor in the reverse logistics world and, you know, creating such a new business model in a pretty crowded environment? What, what were the upstart challenges and how did you overcome them?
0: I think that we would qualify as a disruptor. And I, I guess I would just think about that in a couple of ways. The existing world of shipping, you know, the sort of unit of shipping tends to be a single box, right? And you think about returns, you typically think about returns by mail, and you think about lots of individual boxes going from the shopper back to the place that the item was, was purchased. I think in our case, we're sort of disrupting in a couple ways. We're disrupting the shopper experience saying, hey, you may have bought it from one retailer, but you're going to return it to a different place. So we're sort of disrupting the shopper experience. You know, in terms of of the merchant, we're asking them to trust us with this important relationship that's somewhat disruptive. And to the logistics industry, we're saying, hey, there's a way to save money here by taking what you do today, which is individual items in individual boxes moving from point A to B and making it more efficient by aggregating those items together before shipment. So I think there's sort of disruption at each step of what we do. I think the key is having there be kind of a clear value proposition uh, that's driving each one and a clear reason why each of those stakeholders wants to enable that disruption. I'll, I'll tell you personally, it also involves kind of a strong stomach because a lot of the ideas early on in the early days of Happy Returns, I'm pretty sure that I was laughed out of many conference rooms with people saying things like, oh, listen to that guy. Like, you know, he's talking about making returns easy for customers. Like, why would we want to do that? right?" or carrier partners saying, this thing will never work, mm-hmm. right? Returns happen one way, and what Happy Returns is talking about is something totally different. So you know, I think the kind of key to our success was, A, understanding that the sort of shopper is, is king. The shopper is what sort of defines, and what the shopper wants is what defines a lot of the, the changes in behavior in retail. And it's pretty clear that you know returns by mail is really broken, right? You think about just the process of what a return by mail involves, right? It involves printing a label, which was hard pre-COVID, but in an environment where everyone's working from home is even harder. It involves wrestling with a box and packing tape to prepare an arts and crafts project for shipment, you know, involves standing in line in many instances at a carrier. And then your reward for all of that is is to go check your credit card statement for the next two to three weeks, you know, waiting to get your refund. And so, you know, the idea that we invented, which is box-free in-person drop-off for an immediate refund or exchange, pretty straightforward to see how that would make the process better for shoppers and how that that process better for shoppers could lead to change among retailers. Mm -hmm. In terms of our our, our retail partners, you know, really what speaks there is is the idea of cost savings. And I would say that's only become more important in this environment where the idea of a merchant looking at the cost of returns. And looking at the expectation that, that returns are free, well, there's no such thing as free returns, right? It's just subsidized. The same way free shipping is not free. It's just who's paying for it. And so really being able to come to the merchant's base with an ROI-based explanation of how happy returns could help, I think that has been absolutely critical to being able to disrupt, if you will, the status quo. And then on the logistics side, you know, we're at a really interesting sort of juncture here where because e-commerce adoption has increased so quickly, you know, there's more demand for logistics services and shipping services than there is capacity. And so solutions like ours that potentially could, could seem threatening in one environment are, you know, are all of a sudden being embraced um, because the carriers themselves are trying to, trying to figure out how can we be more efficient in shipping? How can we, how can we serve this merchant base? How can we be more efficient in shipping And how can we ensure that we're offering experiences that both, you know, the customers, the B2C side of our business, as well as the B2B side of our business work. And so we're kind of at a unique spot where I think the carriers are thinking creatively, you know, thus our our partnership with FedEx. Um, And and I think that again, back to your original question, are we a disruptor? I think we are because we're, we're sort of changing the status quo in terms of the experience. You know, what the merchants expect, what the carriers expect, and and I think that you know, as I said, that the key to disruption there is is being very clear in terms of how you're making every every stakeholder's experience better.
1: And and David, what's most fascinating about your platform is that as a, as a consumer, I always wonder what happens to all the returns. You know, like a lot of times, say if you buy an electronic product, they are so perfectly packed. And if you want to return it, as she said, it's like a whole arts and craft origami project. And then after you send it off, you're like, oh, no, like the menu, I left it. It's still on the table. What actually happens to the thing that we return? Like if, if I forgot the menu, is it going to make the product voyage? Can you tell us more about the story behind the scene?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And not a lot of people think about that for many shoppers, the journey ends with, hey, I dropped it in the mail, or the journey ends with, you know, I got my refund back. And so at the highest level, you can think about a couple different things that could happen to to an item. So one is it could be resold like new. We do a lot of work in apparel, in footwear, uh, in accessories, where the majority of the items, I'd say 90 plus percent of the items that we take in end up getting resold like new. And some of those may be items that didn't require anything other than sort of repackaging and putting them back on the shelf. Others may be areas where there was some refurbishment uh, that was required, right? So it might be wiping off the stain or cleaning the sole of a shoe or lint rolling a sweater, for example. But most of those things end up new. And I would say that's one big end, end destination. You know, another could be that items are damaged. It could be that these can't be resold and there the, the merchant has to seek some other way to capture value from them. Think about those as maybe being either in, in worst case scenario, those can just be, you know, those can be thrown out. Um, they can be liquidated. There, there are potentially overseas markets for items that are damaged. And then somewhere in the middle, in this kind of the use case that you talked about, are items that have residual value and can be resold, um, but they may not be able to be resold as new, right? And, and so the idea that you know, in your example, the open box electronics is kind of the classic. It can't be resold as new because the packaging has been opened, maybe missing a, a, a manual, but there's still value to it, right? And for somebody that um, is willing to take something that isn't brand new um, and willing to sort of take that risk, they're rewarded with typically a discount. And so you have kind of that full range of you know, can be resold like new, but can be resold as slightly used or can't be resold in its current form, but maybe has additional value that that's what happens to, to returns down here at the, isn't going to be resold as new. There's all kinds of interesting things that can happen. Items can be grouped together and sold in bulk, right? So you might find as an example, an entire pallet full of women's shoes that can't be resold as new but are gonna be sold in bulk together. And someone may be willing to take the risk and kind of sort through them and decide that there's more value in the individual items than in the, the, the bulk pallet of shoes that they purchased. You may find things donated, right? So we do, we do some work with, with home goods companies where, you know, for example, if you, if you buy a sweater online and you take it home and you try it on, you decide you don't want it, you send it back. Well, that can be resold. But a pair of sheets, on the other hand, you know, if you go home and try on the sheets on your bed, those can't be resold, right? And so for some of our work in, in the soft, uh, soft goods side of, of home, those items end up getting donated to uh, charities, places like Habitat for Humanity, um, where there can be, you know, a second home found for those items. There's still value to them, but, you know, it doesn't make sense for them to be resold as new. But, you know, either through cleaning. Or, or some form of refurbishment, those items are like new and they can be they can find another home. So I, th- I think that there's a lot of interesting endpoints uh, for these, but you can think about them falling into those three big buckets, either going to be resold again, resold again, but not as a new product, or think about this sort of like end of life, and that's everything from ending up in the dumpster in the back to finding you know, a new home somewhere else. Or a lot of interesting innovation right now taking place where people are trying to find uh, value in the underlying uh, product material, so things like taking an old pair of shoes that's been used and grinding them up and turning the, the shoe material into, you know, something new that can be used for, say, home insulation or for the the base of a playground, right? So there's all kinds of innovation there with regard to what do we do with these things other than trying to have them into a landfill.
1: And what is super fascinating about reverse logistics and and, and heavy returns is that you have a tremendous amount of data and touch points with multiple retailers and companies and many many consumers so you actually touch on the point that i was about to bring up which is sustainability how do you think your company is positioned to transform the way we look at tr- sustainability in the context of reverse logistics
0: yeah yeah that's a great question so we sustainability is very core to happier turns as a business and to you know, what we do. And for us, you know, that, and I'll tell you kind of a, a story, you know, we have a processing facility in Eastern Pennsylvania. And the first time that I was actually going to visit that facility, it's in a, it's in a kind of a office, you know, park where all the buildings look sort of similar. And I was driving through the office park, trying to find the one that was ours because there wasn't obvious signage out front. And there were, I sort of thought it was one of two buildings and, and I, re- I knew that it was ours because I saw a dumpster outside that was filled up with cardboard. And, I, and, and it was obvious to me that, oh, this is the facility that's processing the returns that has this mountain of cardboard outside. And while I was excited to find our facility, um, my heart sort of sunk because I thought, my gosh, all that cardboard is going directly into a landfill. And, and that was a light bulb moment for me thinking about what kind of impact do we want happier returns to have in the long run? And so one of the big initiatives that we have undertaken as a company is to try to reduce the use of cardboard in reverse logistics altogether. And so the, the process I described earlier, where shoppers bring items in to, you know, one of the 2,600 drop-off locations we, we operate around the country. They bring them in box free. And so what we end up doing with those items is we, we bag them and we put them into reusable totes. And these reusable totes fill up during the course of the day. You know, there might be 20 customers that show up with a return to do, 20 items from 20 different brands. All those items are going to travel in one single commingled aggregated shipment. That's basically a reusable tote. And so instead of you know, 20 shipments in cardboard boxes that would be coming you know, back to happier terms, think about one 20-pound shipment where everything is aggregated in this, you know, this commingled tote. And, and between the drop off points and our processing hubs, cause that's, you know, the destination for these you know, pe- people bring them to us, we get the first mile free, you know, we aggregate together and then ship that reusable tote to a regional processing hub. We've now replaced cardboard with reusable totes at every one of those shipments. That and so, incredible. you know, shoppers are doing their part. They're bringing the items to happy returns. We're doing our part, you know, by shipping all of those, those items in reusable totes. That was sort of phase one of our approach was in these shipments that we control, we control the origin you know it's a return bar a happy returns you know we control the destination it's a happy returns processing hub let's remove cardboard from that part of the equation the second stage of this is sort of where we are now which is when those commingled aggregated totes arrive at a processing hub we sort them by retailer we do whatever secondary processing is required to get the items ready to be sent back or as we talked about earlier they may be dispositioned separately the damaged items go one destination the Items that can be resold go back to the, the merchant. And then we, we aggregate those items together for not just that, that individual drop-off point, but all the drop-off points in that region. And, and now we're bulk shipping back to the, the merchant. Well, those shipments can be done in reusable totes as well. And we can eliminate cardboard from, from those bulk shipments as, as well. Now, we have to go sort of merchant by merchant there because the reusable totes have to be their warehouses have to be able to accept them. Their warehouses have to agree to store them until we can come and, and pick them up in bulk. And these reusable totes, they, they look kind of like a big soft beer cooler that you might take to the beach. They're soft. They're, they're made of recycled plastic. They're sort of padded. They fold flat. But you know, they do cost money and they cost significantly more than the price of a single cardboard box. So we, we have to make sure that our merchant partners are willing to accept their, the shipments that way, that they're willing to store them for us, store them safely um, until we can come pick them up. And so step one was sort of from the, the drop-off point to the processing hubs. Step two in our sustainability quest is, is all the shipments from the hubs back to the merchants. And then the things that we have on the horizon, things that we, we think a lot about with regard to sustainability are we've gotten rid of cardboard, which is great, yay, but we still use a lot of plastic bags. You know, a lot of what we do is done in, in poly bags that, you know, yes, those can be reused, but at the end of the day, it's still virgin plastic. And so, you know, step one there is trying to reduce the plastic by using recycled plastic as opposed to, to virgin. Step two and, and kind of where we're headed is thinking about, can we take all those individual poly bags that we use and replace them with, with reusable totes, or I should say reusable bags the same way we did with, with cardboard totes? That's kind of the next step. In a step of our evolution is, is tackling the plastic piece of happy returns and the impact that we have there.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thomas Industry Update podcast. To hear the rest of my conversation with David Sobey, check out the extended video cut now available on YouTube and linked in the show notes of today's podcast.